Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Andy Anderson. Andy, MSRD, is the co-owner of Avaya University with her partner, Ike Allen. Avaya is the creator of over 1,000 books, films, courses, teachings, and other supportive resources on topics ranging from breaking free from codependency, healing from childhood trauma, breaking free from abandonment and betrayal, overcoming depression and loneliness, and many, many more. Andy is passionate about helping people break free from past traumas so they can live an extraordinary life of self-love, freedom, playful exploration, and healthy relationships. So today we're diving into the topic of codependency because it's something many people who've been betrayed also struggle with. You're going to learn where codependency begins, how it shows itself in our daily actions, what it leads to, and most importantly, how we can recognize that's what's holding us back so that we can change. If you're struggling with codependency, you're going to love this episode with my friend Andy Anderson. Here we go. Okay, everybody, you are in for such a treat because I have my friend Andy Anderson here with us, and she's going to be talking all about codependency. And I have to tell you, I brought her on because I've been on her amazing summits, which I want her to share with you completely. But all the topics can completely relate to the Betrayal to Breakthrough audience. So we brought in the resident expert on all things summits and topics you can uh, appreciate to share with us. Um, but today, specifically, we're talking about codependency. So welcome, Andy. Hey, it's good to see you. I always love chatting with you. So I, We always have a really good conversation. But today, specifically, we're talking about codependency. And I love, I love this topic because so often in the betrayal community, we find that there is a bit of codependency, certainly not with everybody, but with many. So I wanted to bring you in to talk all about it. What is it? How does it happen? How do we know if we're affected? What do we do about it? All of it. So let's ju let's just start with why are you so passionate about the topic of codependency? Well, as the saying goes, you teach what you most need to learn. And that's me over here, everybody. So uh, yeah, I have codependency or codependency tendencies because not everyone likes that label. And, and I encourage you, if you don't like it, it's not about the label. It's really about like the behaviors and the, the character traits that we might have. Um, I have struggled with it like for as long as I can remember. And honestly, it, it, uh, in my experience stem stemmed from my childhood. And in, in many ways I had a magical, wonderful, um, loving childhood and I love my parents and they did the best that they could. And at the same time, we, there were a lot of challenges, you know, I had an alcoholic father and a codependent mother and they were doing the best that they could and they fought a lot. And it was just, it was a bit of a chaotic environment a lot of the time for myself and my brother. And I have so many like memories of trying to fix them, right? Trying to fix my parents' relationship, trying to be the one like my brother and I would like go in between them during their fights when we were really little and try to get between them and like separate them and like get, you know, get over it guys. Like, come on, we can work together, right? And so that, those were the beginnings of like, me losing or never really discovering who I really was and um, that lack of identity, that lack of self-development um, that led to so many other things in my life and challenges like when my, and then my parents got divorced. So there was abandonment issues mixed in there. Um, and then of course, as a lot of people do, 
I started looking for love elsewhere. So, you know, after my parents were divorced in my, you know, early teens, I started dating and it was just relationship after relationship of trying to fill, right, those holes, fill, fill that gap of the things that, um, I didn't, I didn't get, or didn't get the ways that I wanted to. And, in and, and again, I, I don't blame anybody because I think we all need to come to terms with, right. Our parents being human beings who did the best that they could. And, you know, even if the circumstances were horrible. Um, so, so yeah, those are kind of like my personal experiences with it. And, and I eventually had so many just unhealthy relationships that it, oh my God, it was exhausting, Debbie. It was just like, oh, one after another, after another, you know, yeah. to the point of like, it needed to end. And it really started ending when ironically, I got into my relationship with Ike about 10, 11 years ago. And he was so in this world of personal development of overcoming our obstacles that like, one of the first things he did when we started dating was he bought us a book by David Rico, who is, who is this beautiful, poetic writer and he talks a lot about relationships and spirituality and and started reading that and and like applying that to our relationship and um i only did that for a little while and then i you know threw it off to the side and mm -hmm. and um eventually came to a point of really really struggling with it to the point of um really the birth of avaya university and what we do in these online events is because of my issues with codependency because there are our, our, one of our biggest first events was overcoming codependency um and that was what kind of began it all and then it's like oh my god when i started realizing like all the ways that you could get out of this cycle of toxicity and not knowing who you are like i just i have to share it because it's just too important and that's what makes the best teachers, right? We overcome what we've struggled with and then you just can't help but want to want to share it and pay it forward. But let's go back. So here, here you were, you were this little kid and your parents are fighting and you're in the middle kind of breaking them up. What did you make of that? I mean, how did you interpret that? Because I want to get to, you know, uh, the decisions we make and the actions we take are all stemming from the beliefs we have. So what did you, what did you make of all of that? I think that probably the biggest things I made of it was this is what relationships look like. This is, they've got to be hard and they've got to be just filled with really like chaos and fighting and, and just fear and anxiety and depression and all of the things that I saw my parents going through and addiction. And um, yeah, it was like, this is what, this is what I, okay, this is my modeling. What, what else does any child know other than what they're modeled? So that was that those two together in the ways that they acted was how I modeled my relationships in the future. So I, of course, dated the alcoholics. I dated the guys that were, you know, like not, uh, you know, never going to be like a good fit for me and had the repeating of that cycle of the abandonment of my dad leaving. And of course, not having a clue that it had anything to do with, right, like the core of what was really going on. So I think it's important for people to get to not necessarily always like remember exactly what happened because we can't all of us can't do that um there's a lot that gets buried but um at least going back to some of those like like you're saying like those times where we create these core beliefs and um and what it what it looks like and how it influences us as adults and it's so common because it wasn't like it, it you know we're, we're looking for something that's good it's just that it's so familiar so we we find ourselves in these relationships that kind of replicate what we came from we're like oh okay i know this i know how it works i get it it doesn't mean that it's good you know good or good for us but that's just what's so familiar so if you want to say what the cause then is for codependency what would you say 
Yeah, I would say it goes into what you're what you were just talking about that it becomes familiar and I really think that and this is like after years of like talking with hundreds of people who are experts in this in this topic of codependency um and just my own personal experiences and where I've found it in my own life I really feel that the core of this all um is fear plain and simple it is it is the emotion of fear and and I think fear is the is the beginning of so many like dysfunctional behaviors anyways, whether it's codependency or it's an addiction or it's uh, betrayal or it's what have you, right? I mean, fear underlies so many things that um, aren't ideal in our, in our lives. And so um, I think a lot of that fear again, goes back to the childhood. What kind of experience did you grow up in? Were you, are you an adult child of an alcoholic like me? Did you grow up with addicts, narcissistic parents? Um, did you grow up with parents who had alcoholic parents, right? Mm-hmm. Or narcissistic parents so maybe they're not picking up the drink or doing the drugs or um anything like that but that's what they were modeled so what all you know and they don't know so that that's what you're modeled um those kinds of things and maybe you like i was just describing you know you had your parents fighting in front of front of you there could be all sorts of different kinds of traumas and it really comes down to your normal becomes this emotional intoxication. Your normal becomes a heightened, Im- a heightened immune system, not immune system. It actually decreases your mm. immune system, but like a heightened nervous system yeah. of fight or flight. And not only can that wreak havoc on your physical body, which I know we've talked about before, mm-hmm. um, but it can just, yeah, it creates that default way of being so that what you're looking for, even though it's not right, like, why would we want to look for fear? Why would we want to look for chaos? Well if that's how we've been programmed, that is exactly what we look for. Um, so, and I also want to say like, it's not everyone had some like majorly chaotic, abusive childhood. If they have codependent tendencies, it's not, that's not it at all. I mean, a lot of people do, but a lot of people also could have come from right. Really loving households that they don't have any, like, they're like, wow, my parents were great. I don't really get like why I am the way I am. I think, um, a lot of this can come from just like, our perceptions, right? Maybe mom is on the phone and she's busy talking to someone about something important and you're you're a four-year-old kid, you come up showing you the picture that you just drew and you want her attention. And she's like, honey, 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 stop, stop. You know, we make that mean, oh my God, I'm not good enough. Oh my God, I'm an inconvenience. Oh my goodness, what do I need to do to please mom? You know, so that those kinds of things, even if they're like no parent is, you know, as a parent, right? You know, there's no one, we can never meet all of their needs continuously. It's just impossible. So there are those moments that we create those stories, those beliefs that, you know, come into our adult life that um, if we don't kind of go back and be like, wait, wait a second, like, why do I feel like I'm such an inconvenience to people? Oh, something as simple as the example I just shared could be the beginnings of codependent behaviors. And, and it's so amazing. I use that example all the time of, of, you know, mom being on the phone and the kid runs in and with this the earth shattering news and mom is just giving you, shushing you. And we interpret the shush as like, I don't, I don't matter, but let's talk about fear a little bit because I mean, it's so huge and we can have so many different types of fear. There could be fear of success, fear of failure, fear of the unknown, but when it comes to codependency, what's the, what would you say the main fear is? Um, really, I think there's two primary fears and, and you're absolutely right, right? Fear is such an interesting thing because mm. we can be afraid of living a great life because our normal is not great or we can be afraid of our life, you know, falling to pieces. So my, in my experience, and again, talking to so many people about this is number one, the fear of not being good enough a very human quality Mm -hmm. that I think everyone can relate to. And then number two is the fear of abandonment. 
And, you know, we've had conversations about that. I think that's the first time we actually ever, um, uh, connected around it was one of our breaking free from abandonment event, obviously related right to betrayal mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. all of that. So I would really say those are those two major, major fears that just underlie all these codependent behaviors. And my experience of them is they're really like an infinity loop. One feeds into the other, right? Fear has that tendency to do that. It's like, okay, so I'm afraid I'm not good enough. And because I'm afraid I'm not good enough, then I'm afraid I'm going to be abandoned by someone because clearly I'm not good enough to, for them to stick around. Then maybe they abandon you and then it folds in on itself again. Oh, you're right. I'm, I'm proving to myself I'm not good enough. I'm proving to myself that I'll never, you know, be worthy of a healthy relationship or, you know, people staying with me. And I think like the, the first step for people that watching right now is just getting that you're in that. If you're mm -hmm. in that like infinity loop, that like trap, trap of fear, it's good that you're getting that because you're not going to be able to get out of it unless you know that you're in it. <laughs> it's like we always say, you know, awareness is the first step. You can't change what you're what you're not aware of. And it's so true. Then the mind wants to prove us right. So if we feel like, you know, this is I'm not good enough and that's the belief, then we find all this confirming evidence to support it. What would be some characteristics of people with codependency? Like if you had to say, like, paint a picture of the, mm -hmm. you know, the classic person who there's, is, there's so true. many. And honestly, like, it, it's kind of funny how many I think that there are, but I would say classically, there's like the, the core tendencies to people pleasing. And again, mm. this, right. This is one of those things. It's pretty obvious how this ties into that fear, right? Okay. I fear that I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. So I'm going to do whatever I can in my friendships and my romantic partnerships to make sure I please them, to get their validation, to start filling my cup up with the accolades that they give me instead of, you know, giving them to myself and learning how to do that. And, and same thing goes with like the abandonment, right? If you have that fear of abandonment, you know, you're going to probably do whatever you can to please somebody, even if maybe that person isn't the right person for you. I can't tell you how many relationships I had where this was clearly not good, you know, like this was never going to work, but all I did was grasp and hold on to try to make it work because I was so afraid of being abandoned, you know, even though that would be, it would be a good thing to get out of this relationship. This is not healthy. Um, and so, okay. So people pleasing. And, and yeah. even before you go on with the, think about what the typical person who's people pleasing some of the symptoms of that. Like I remember we had, uh, I had a guest on the show, uh, Trisha Nelson, who's brilliant at emotional eating. And I, I remember her saying that people pleasing is one of the most common reasons why people are emotional, you know, why we may eat emotionally. So now think about it. Here we are exhausting ourselves, trying to uh, people, you know, please being a people pleaser. And now we're taking it out on our own bodies and, and trying. And so now there's the physical stuff too, because it's exhausting. We're not having, we're not meeting our own needs. We're just, just trying to meet someone else's. So can you, can you think of some of the physical symptoms that you've come across with people who are just, you know, in that place? Honestly, I think it can lead to so many physical, I think it can lead to, I don't know, like personal proof wise, but mm. right. Like I think it can lead to diseases. I think it can lead yeah. to autoimmune diseases. I think it can lead to obviously weight gain or weight loss, depending on, you know, where you're at. I think it, it could lead to eating disorders and mm -hmm. uh, binge eating, overeating, those kinds of things. Um, if you're, you know, I think all of those things come into play and, you know, we both have our backgrounds in right nutrition and exercise and, and it absolutely takes its toll. It might be a while. It might, 
you know, you might be able to, you probably will be able to maintain the really exhaust, exhausting life of people pleasing and trying to right, avoid conflict and caretake so that you make people happy. You might be able to do that for quite some time, but eventually I think it will come to roost. Um, and maybe it's fatigue. Maybe it's, you know, it's probably a lot of, of different kind of manifestations that, that can happen in all of these like characteristics of codependency once again like feed in on on each other you know they all connect they're all like controlling is another big um, core characteristics of codependence because once again we're we're we don't want to be abandoned we don't want people to leave we don't we want to feel good enough we want to feel and get that external validation so we try to control others so that we get those needs met and if they're not met, I mean, think about the disappointment, right? Often like, right. it's like, it's never going to be met all the time. If you like put all your eggs in the basket of this person over here is going to give me my, my self-love, that's impossible. We we're the only ones that can do that. So, yeah. And, and you know, what's so interesting, like think about it here, someone has uh, the abandonment issues and the codependency issues coming from, you know, stemming from childhood, right? And they can be, let's just take the emotional eater. They could be in their 40s, 50s, 60s. And, and it's been a lifetime of that. And, and so then that's the person who, let's just take the, let's just take eating, for example. Now they're dieting and frustrated for life and, and looking at it as, well, it's just a weight issue, never connecting that it's a, right. it's because of the codependency issue from way back. Oh yeah. There's a ton of, right. There's so much. If, if anyone has ever heard of the book intuitive eating, it's by a couple of registered dietitians and they talk a lot about obviously like getting in tune with your body and how to eat and when to eat and what to eat and that kind of stuff, but also all the, the things that go into um, the emotional uh, issues that, that affect the foods that we eat, the way that we eat, um, if we eat, you know, all of those kinds of things. So yeah, it all folds in on each other. And then I think like just bringing in exercise, cause I think that is like, if I could give people one of uh, really many like tips or tools, it would be like, get out and move. I mean, like the, the power that you can get back to when you move your body in my experience is so amazing. It's it just really getting back into your body, into feeling how you feel. If you're, if you're willing to start feeling the things in your body, like, oh, wow, I'm upset right now. And I feel like a knot in my stomach and a stiffness in my neck. You're going to start to get really tuned into right. That body intelligence again. Um, and hopefully potentially inspire you to move and it doesn't have, you don't have to go out and run a marathon. It's like, go for a walk, <laughs> like do yoga, do simple stretches, like things to get back into feeling again. I think that's so important. I, I love that. You said, if you're willing to feel because the willingness you're right, that's huge. And so often we could be res so resistant and we're, we're unwilling and then we're wondering why life stinks and we're, we're, you know, unwilling to do anything differently, but willingness to feel, I mean, that's just so huge. So you started mentioning tools, like let's say using exercise, what are some other tools that someone's, they're watching this, they're listening to this, they're saying, oh my gosh, she's talking about me. And <laughs> what the heck do I do now? Right. Yeah. So there's many different things. Um, I would say a couple of like really kind of like quick tools that people can put into play. And then I'll go into one in more in depth. There is just really recognizing when the fear of not being good enough comes up more than likely you're going to experience that little voice in your head, right? Mm -hmm. That little egoic voice. That's like you're a piece of crap and you know, you're too fat and you're too this and you suck and you're not deserving of love. Like start questioning that. I mean, number one, right. If you don't, first of all, if you're not aware of it, that's, you know, you got to become aware of it. But secondly, 
questioning it. Like, wait a second, like, wow. Like, is that, is that the way I would talk to my friend? Is that what the way I would talk to my child? Is that the way, you know, I talk to my dog, right? We both have dogs and love our pets, right? No, of course I wouldn't talk that way. So becoming aware of it and just really busting yourself, like, hang on a second, that's not true. Why, why is it that I'm unworthy of a healthy relationship? But look at all these other people who have these great relationships. So, and, and you know, it's so true. If we spoke to our friends, the way we spoke to ourselves, we wouldn't have a friend in the world. <laughs> right. Who would stick her out for that? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We, we, we would all be alone for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's a quick tip, you know, that's mm-hmm. something that you can just start like really getting in that zone of retraining your, your mind and retraining your nervous system in that way to, to, to question, right. And then get out of that state of fear and chaos. Um, another one, I think a lot of people who have codependent tendencies tend to be catastrophic thinkers. Hmm. myself included, right? Oh my God. Like how often can you just go into your head? You're driving down the road and you're like, oh my God, what if, what if Ike is leaving me in this moment? Right. Or, oh my God, what if the dog got hit by a car or what, you know, like all these things that just really sap us of our happiness and sap us of the present moment. I think it's important in those moments to just once again, catch yourself real quick, quick implementation of catching yourself and being like you're maybe you've been driving down the road for five minutes and you've been having these catastrophic thoughts but when you become aware of it ask yourself am i in reality right now or am i in la la land right Mm -hmm. am i in my imagination Mm -hmm. like where am i right now and like just simple right just catch yourself catch yourself and then in those moments try to represence yourself to what's happening oh all right okay I'm Andy, I'm driving down the road, I'm headed up to the store, like I see the cars going by and there's a, some birds flying through the air, right? Getting present to the actual moment that you're in to get yourself out of your head. Um, and you know what's so what's so amazing is, think about it, we, we come up with the absolute worst case scenario, the catastrophe of all of it. Why do we not come up with the most amazing potential outcome? Why is that like so foreign? But meanwhile, we can come up with the whole negative scenario. And I think that's that whole negativity bias. You know, we're sort of wired to protect ourselves with the negative, but then we we take it to that whole next level of making it so much worse. It hasn't even happened yet. And here we are creating this idea of a complete catastrophe. That's yeah, really honestly. helpful. So catching catching ourselves yeah. and stopping it. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, it's a human, right? It's being human. It's that like innate um, part of us that wants to protect us from harm. So it needs to be ready, right? It needs to like explore the possibilities of like, oh, this could happen. And I hear some rustling over in the bushes over there must be the saber toothed tiger. Okay. What should I do? What, what, what do I do if that happened? You know, I mean, it's just, I think it's a, it, it's important for our survival as human beings, not so much in the world we live in today, but much so, you know, before, you know, we evolved into what we are today. So um, yeah, I think that's it. I think it's just a, it's a human tendency that we need to be responsible for, right? Retraining by catching ourselves in those moments. Mm. And that's really powerful catching ourselves because I think it's so common just to go down that rabbit hole. You know, we just keep one thought leads to the next, the next. Now we have some feeling behind it. We infuse some emotion and now it's like a full blown catastrophe. Okay. So, so you mentioned exercise, just getting out and moving. And you, you mentioned just really questioning that inner critic and, and catching it, just catching it. And then when there's that catastrophic thinking, catching that too, is there anything else? Yeah. You know what my ultimate favorite tool. So those are kind of like quick things you can do in the moment. Mm -hmm. And if, if you find yourself like really in that, that fear loop, 
that mm-hmm. we were talking about, right? That addiction to fear that I'm not good enough. I'm going to be abandoned that ping pong match. Mm-hmm. I really recommend you go into like a deeper practice and this might mean, okay, I need to take a few minutes by myself. I need to go sit in a chair. I need to go outside. I need to take a walk, but really this is what I call my self-validation tool because validation is often that thing that we want from others. So it's so important for us to give it to ourselves. So this is something to, you know, apply in those moments of like emotional upheaval where you just can't seem to get out of it. Right. Um, and it's, it's, it's a simple, like three-step process. You could do it in a minute. You could take 10 minutes. You could take more. It's really up to you, but Firstly is just identifying, right? Going inward, breathing. I recommend closing your eyes and maybe, right? Put your hand on your chest and really like, I think physical contact is so important. Again, I I always go back to the body and the somatics and stuff. I think it's so important for us to feel touched and Mm -hmm. loved and all Mm -hmm. of that. So it's going into that and really like being that loving parent to whatever it is, your inner child, the part of you that's upset and and being willing to feel it. Like we talked about before, you know, where am I feeling it in my body? What's happening? Breathing. Step number two being like, develop a relationship with yourself, start talking to yourself, communicate right through words. Like you can even say it out loud if you want to. Um, you know what, Andy, I got it. Like I get right now, you are just terrified of being abandoned. And you know what? I understand. I know why you're, you you feel that way and it's okay. It's okay to feel that way. Right. Always validating and saying it's okay. And I want you to know you're not alone. I'm not going to abandon you. Right. Like no matter what happens outside Mm -hmm. of you, I'll always Mm -hmm. be here for you. So really like diving deep into like being just loving to yourself, you know, being that like loving parents. And then, um, you know, after you get kind of through that and you feel like you're, um, maybe more regulated and calmer then you can, you know, integrate back into what's happening. So again, kind of represencing into the moment, opening your eyes, taking a deep breath, looking around you. Okay. I'm in my office right now. I'm at my desk. I'm talking to Debbie, you know, like I just went through this process. I'm feeling better touching back in with your feelings and, you know, orienting yourself back to that present. So that's kind of like a a quick uh, run through of that particular tool, but I find that so helpful because I think anything that like really makes us be more compassionate with ourselves and, and, and uh, be a loving parent to ourselves is where all the, you know, the gold is in this process. I love that. And I love the idea of developing a relationship with yourself. Like we, we are so programmed to develop relationships with others. And meanwhile, it's, we, we will always have us, you know, ourselves. So why is it that we are the last person to look at when it comes to developing a relationship? Shouldn't that be first? And it, and I know it seems so obvious, but it's so, it's so not the first line of what we, what we choose. Right. And I think we were never taught that. I mean, it's not we something weren't. that, I mean, not that everyone wasn't, cause certainly there's some rocking parents out there, right. That are teaching their kids all, all kinds of great tools at a young age, but I don't think that's not really how our society, I think, operates. It's more, it's externally focused. It's it's not like let's tune into ourselves and build that relationship with us. And I remember when when Ike and I first started dating, his he, he has two daughters, so my stepdaughters, they were two and five when we first started dating. And we would at dinner time, we'd sit around the table, and he would you know we'd all like say what we're grateful for, mm-hmm. and he always in, like would encourage the girls to be grateful for themselves, you know, like first and foremost. And I always remember that I'm like that has always stuck with me. Cause when I first saw that, I was like, I don't get it. Like what, what, why, why, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why be grateful for yourself? Like why not something outside of you? And, and that's it. That's the key, right? It's 
without you in a relationship with you, man, life is not nearly as enjoyable. It can cause a lot of, uh, of challenges. Yeah. I mean, cause think about it. If you are a strong, healthy, whole, you, you know, person who likes yourself and, and likes who you are and appreciates and validates yourself, you're just so much better for, for every thing you go ahead and do every relationship you enter it's just a much better way to go i i just i mean i know i'm i'm like shocked how basic but how profound it is so andy tell us more about the wonderful community you have and just what you mm. have going on we have an awesome community at Avai University. We have, we do events, online events every, gosh, roughly like four to six weeks. So we are, we are busy. We got new stuff coming out all the time. And we also have a lot of classes that you can watch right now. So if you go to just the homepage of avai.com and I think you'll have a link there. Um, there are so many different things you can, you can take. You can watch free classes with Debbie and many <laughs> different master classes and a lot of other great teachers um, talking about topics like, for example, breaking free from code dependency is one of the ones that you can you can tune into for free on our website we have breaking free from abandonment and betrayal very related to this conversation we have overcoming insecurity and low self-esteem another one that you're featured in debbie um and gosh overcoming narcissistic abuse a lot of people find themselves if they have codependent traits, they often find themselves in relationships with people with more narcissistic um, traits and characteristics. So we have that and many, many, many more. So I just recommend you can go there anytime you can sign up for one of the free things and, you know, master classes and get started. Um, you can take many to, at a time, whatever, whatever you want. We have a lot of stuff for everybody. And I can't speak highly enough for, for you and the work you do and, and all of it. I think I've been on three of your, yeah, uh, yeah three of your interviews. And, and it's just, what you're doing to help people who are struggling mentally and emotionally is just so profound. So I, I so appreciate you. As we wrap up, what do you want to make sure everybody knows? Mm, I think just, just get that even if right now this conversation is uncomfortable, this conversation is bringing up, right, those fears of abandonment and being not good enough for you, or really like you're becoming aware of some really tough things I just want you to know that once you, it will get right, your new normal will change, right? Your new normal, you have the opportunity to change it into something amazing and then really hone in on and focus on that journey of self-discovery, which is so amazing, <laughs> especially if you've never, right, never had it before and you never really figured out who you were. And then you start to figure it out and like, oh my gosh, I'm passionate about that. And oh, I can be my own individual person and be in a great relationship. Oh, it's just, it is, it's, it's priceless. So that that's really just the message I want to leave people with. I love that. And, and I know you've seen it. I have too. When you start liking yourself and appreciating who you are and learning about yourself, it's like layers just get peeled away. And as they do, you see this version of you evolve and, and, I, I can't tell you how often I have seen it where someone has, you know, done the work to heal and all of a sudden now, like they're ready for a new business or a new venture or a new something mm -hmm. they never would have had access to because they were like buried under the, you know, the fear, the doubt, the insecurity. So by healing all of those other layers and really getting to know who you are, uh, who knows what's next. So I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Andy, thank you so much for the wonderful work you do for sharing with my amazing community, um, just your wisdom, your insight. I know you, you help so many people with uh, what you shared today. Well, thank you for having me. I always love connecting with you and thank you everyone who's, who's watching. I, I love to connect with you as well. Thank you.
I love that conversation with Andy because you can really see how something we interpret in childhood can lead to a lifetime of people-pleasing, unhealthy relationships, illness, food issues, and so much more. Stay in touch with Andy by going to avaya.com and we'll have all of our information in the show notes at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Once we're, as Andy said, willing to feel, we're then able to develop a relationship with ourselves and a great place to start is by using some of Andy's strategies. One, move. Get back into your body by moving. Two, questioning that inner critic. Three, stop catastrophic thinking. Four, get quiet so you can identify what's going on, develop that relationship with yourself, and integrate back into your body as you re-presence yourself and stop those runaway thoughts from taking you down. Great stuff. Like the show? Subscribe, rate, and review. And of course, if you know of someone struggling to heal from a betrayal, be sure to tell them about the show. And if you haven't already, be sure to take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at thepbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And if you checked out the PBT Institute membership community, Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best, community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you could schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best all online. Nothing like this exists, and I am so excited to welcome you. Go to the pbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.